0: Are you ready to scale? Why not invest three minutes in our scalability index? It's quick, it's easy, and it's got specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. Hello and welcome to another episode of Genius at Scale. Today's guest is David Grossman from Renew Systems in the New York City area. David, say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hello, uh, it's good to be here, John. and um, I'm happy to uh, to spend a few minutes talking uh, and seeing if there's anything that uh, may resonate with with uh, with your audience. Uh, but uh, I am um, uh, I, I live in New York City. I uh, travel tremendously. I think my office is on American Airlines. Mm-hmm. and I say that because my company is based uh, in Chicago, and we have thirty locations around the U.S. and increasingly overseas, um, we are a franchise company, uh, which is an interesting way of scaling a business. And uh, what we do is very specialized services. We we do deep cleaning, specialized pro- cleaning projects for the hospitality industry. So we work for the three, four, five-star big branded hotels like Marriott and Hilton and Hyatt and Best Western and Intercontinental, a bunch of others. And we, we help them with challenging projects that they typically can't do themselves. And so it's a business that kind of below the radar screen. I think very few people even uh, not only not know of our name or new systems, but don't even really think about the business. And we kind of like it that way, uh, it invites less attention to us the good news is our customers and uh, addressable customers do know as well. So, so that's what we do. It's a fairly simple business to run, but like many service businesses, it's so much about execution and it's about our people. I before uh, I've been involved with renew renews 31 years old now, wow. and I've been uh, heading it up for, for 12 years. Uh, before that I did a wide variety of things. I was in consulting and I worked uh, in wall street at a couple of investment firms Um but for many years i was in advising or manage or advising or consulting or investing in companies but i really wanted to get my hands more dirty with something with a lot of longevity and in college i ran a small business just had a lot of fun doing that so that was always in the back of my mind and the stars were aligned and i was able to um after several layoffs, which encouraged me to kind of do something different, uh, I was able to uh, find, uh, find this business and was able to uh, secure the financing and um, put my head down and got to work. And, and because it was a simple, simple business to learn, not simple to execute, but simple to learn, that was one of my several key criterias on it. And, uh, and that's really it. Just put, the head, put our head down with the rest of our, our team. And just did a lot of blocking and tackling, and some of which has led to some of our growth. Some of our growth has been for reasons beyond our control, but that's where we are now and um, having a lot of fun doing it, and still think there's a lot more growth to go.
0: Oh, that's well, what a great history. So, you
1: bought the business from someone else. That's right. It was okay. a father son team, but really the son was the kind of the brains behind it. And father would admit that too. And he stayed with us and still very much involved. Uh, in the business, okay. So, for franchise business, it's I'm always fascinated.
0: How do you measure or define scale or scaling? Is it by the number of new franchises? Is it by revenue per per French? How how do you how do you measure scale?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, and and that's one of the interesting parts of a franchise business is that there are a number of ways that you can that we can scale the business. One is to um, try to find more franchisees and open up new locations. Yep. Another way is to, you know, help the existing ones grow, and uh, and a third way is to open up uh, company-owned offices. Right? If uh, there's locations that we don't have franchisees, and um, we can open up a company-owned office. So those are a few ways. Of course, there's uh, those are the organic growth. There's inorganic growth through acquisitions as well. But it's, it's a couple different levers which make franchising. Uh, a uh, uh, fairly interesting, and um, you know, a lot of decisions as to kind of which of those levers to try to focus on to try to scale the business.
0: So, so do you use the f- um, the corporate owned franchises? Do you use those as benchmarks or as R and D to 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 know what the experience is for the other franchise owners? Yeah. Or-
1: yeah, great, great question. So um, our our business, the way we operate is we give out very large territories. So it's typically one per city. So when I say we have uh, 30 locations, we cover most of the U.S. We still have some, some nice territories available and increasingly overseas where we're focusing because we're in four countries now. So we do have a, a fairly large footprint, even for just a small number of Franchises, or by sort of the traditional version of franchising. So we uh, we we've always had the original one in Chicago has been company owned, and uh, we've had some other ones over time as well. Uh, but I always want to have the, the 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 Chicago one for the reasons you mentioned. One is we use it for R and D, um, identifying, developing new services, and using that to uh, train our offices, the existing ones when we when we roll out a new service, as well as our new ones when they're starting. We, we, we have them come in for, for an extensive training course. Okay. And then we also just know how to, to operate these. So when there's questions that our franchisees have, even our mature ones that have been with us for a number of years, we, we, we operate the business day to day. We know how to do it. We know the trends that are going on, which is another reason I want to have this to kind of be aware of what what our customers, you know, how their their needs are changing, things like that. And then the last comment is is the benchmarking, right? Is is that you know we we really try to run it very well, make it very uh, grow nicely, very profitable, and kind of use that as yeah benchmarking, but also business building techniques that our franchisees uh, hopefully can benefit from.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. How, I'm I'm just curious. So we've, we've lived for, with a pandemic for two or two and a half years. How did the pandemic change your game or up your game by necessity?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it was certainly a ride. I mean, we had a great 2019 and the first two and a quarter months of 2020 were, looked well. And then we hit the brick wall when our yeah. customers just started canceling work for, you know, fairly obvious reasons. So we, uh, and in. It was fortunate that we had the company loan location because we saw this coming. Maybe had about a week and a half, two weeks, so not a lot of lead time. But we saw something was going on, and and we then really tried to—I hate to use that word—pivot, but we did, and we really helped our franchisees as well um, get into more of a service we offered called, you know, disinfecting. Right. But this was not very popular. But we knew how to do it, and we helped our franchisees make sure they knew how to do it, and 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 work to get the equipment. Um, and chemical and so forth. We prepared for that. And then we worked um, also on getting some non-hotel customers, which we'd we'd had some, but we uh, we really tried to exploit those. And some came to us also just uh, kind of randomly. So we really pushed those and and really helped our franchisees. And then also financially kind of just uh, hunker down. The good news is, is that we are a, um, a service business without much real estate needed. So the overhead is not very high. And so that really helped a lot as well. And then uh, but but I think, you know, the lessons learned is, uh, you know, as later in the year, later in 2020, business started getting better. And by 2021, we were middle of the year, we were at kind of our pre-pandemic peak. And it's been very strong since. Um, I think the lessons were is, you know, we're all small of our offices are fairly small businesses. But even we probably were um, I wouldn't say probably even we were um, not as efficient as we could be. Um, so we've been able to increase our margins, just operational efficiency, the way we staff projects, things like that. Uh, that that was a that was a big deal. So I think we we became more efficient. We also really worked hard with our big corporate customers like Marriotts and Hyatts, as I mentioned. And although there wasn't a lot of work that they needed, they saw that we really helped them where we could, and get advice, and R and D, and 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 other th- things like that. So coming out of this, we're stronger for that reason as well. Is that we really solidified our big relationships, we became more efficient, and um, and frankly, the competition has gotten more favorable for us. The competitive landscape. I mean, we, we the the few folks that we saw from time to time really didn't make it through COVID very well. So uh, I think the combination of that has been helpful, but um, but it, it it showed us that being kind of a keeping our nimbleness uh, as a company and being able and being very close to the landscape of our customers really, really did help us a lot and really was able to make us not only survive, but come out of the stronger.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a silver lining. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so if you plotted your growth over what, 30 years, it sounds like, um, was there a specific incident or an inflection point where you said, oh, finally, we're kicking it into a different pace of growth or a different level of growth because we did, I don't know what the narrative would be, but was yeah. there a specific event or inflection point that you can yeah. point to? Sure.
1: Yeah. There, there's a couple of them, but what, one um, in uh, the end of uh, my first year with, with Renew is uh, we really broadened our service offering. So we were um, w- you know fairly well known with our customer base, but we did, um, we offered a number of services, mostly kind of soft surfaces. We do deep cleaning of carpets and drapes and furniture and a little bit of other work. But we left out, um, I think, the some of the higher value services um, like marble restoration. So think about the lobbies of hotels or even... Sure. It, it, there's, there's a lot of places and the restaurants often there, there's marble. Um, not every hotel, but a lot of them. So we saw that there was a nice opportunity and trained, developed an offering, uh, made sure we knew how to execute out of Chicago. And then we trained a lot of our franchisees over the next uh, six months. So not only did that open up another revenue stream for us, a new service that we could offer our hotels, our customers, um, but it also really, I think, helped, show in their mind that we were not just a partial solution. We were a full solution or moving in that direction to be a full solution. So instead of having um, maybe two or three different vendors, one who could clean carpets, another one who could do marble, another one who could do other things, which you subsequently got into, they'd have one one partner who, if we did our job right, they'd be happy with with cleaning carpets. Now we can start to, to take care of other things and just have to deal with one vendor, which is um, – very helpful for our customers because um, managers of hotels, the general managers and their team, I'm not sure I'd ever want to have that job. It's just so challenging because there's even the well-run hotels. It's very reactive. There's just a lot of things that pop up during the course of the day and having one trusted uh, part vendor partner who with one phone call or email, you can basically take care of pretty much anything you need to for the types of services we offered, not need to be babysat, that that's pretty valuable, and so we're seeing that more and more. That um, that that reputation we've developed, we've, we're hoping to develop, is coming across to our to our hotel customers, uh, and 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 we keep o- offering additional services. We turn down some where we don't think we can execute on, but but definitely that offering a service, that scope of services, kind of helped us lead. Um, kind of hit a, a, a scale that was uh, really increased our revenue growth. So that, I thought that was, uh, it actually worked out better than I expected it to be. And uh, and it's been very helpful.
0: I, I could imagine that the uh, you think of um, like fintech, you know, banking, mm-hmm. and uh, if they have four or five, your mortgage, your investment account, your checking, your savings, but if they yeah. just have a savings account, you could bail on them at any point. Is there is there that kind of a trend in your organization where you say, you know what, once they once they do three or four services with us, they're highly unlikely to leave because it's too hard to replace. Is there is there that kind of an effect?
1: Yeah, I think there's generally that. I mean, if uh, they they can replace us from time to time, and sometimes it happens, but but I think generally if they're happy with us, I mean, we we give reasonable pricing, but good, very good quality, and um, and I think. If they're happy with us why rock the boat but, I mean, yeah why goof around with it, but yeah. why? that's right that's right
0: yeah oh that's great that's great so you hear success stories in, with entrepreneurs and it's usually the success story i like to hear those but they don't help me so much i'm curious the flip side of that coin which is the call it the thunk in the head or the two by four between the eyes or the the biggest lesson or mistake you made because obviously you're still here and you're successful what was the biggest, um, we'll call it the uh, lesson you've learned and what was the tuition you had to pay on the road towards running such a successful business? Yeah.
1: It, it, maybe it's the flip side of the question that we just discussed, uh, which is uh, growing too fast. If you're not ready for it um, and don't have the infrastructure. Um, of course you don't know but, that until, you, until you, the car's out of control. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Like we, we had some, and that's very true. Like I'll just give you a quick example. We had some early success. Um, really also in my first year where we opened up a second company owned location. I mentioned we had the one in Chicago. We, we saw there was one um, that was, we had opportunity in the state nearby Indiana. So we opened up one, hired a general manager, trained him, and got up and running and that was working out very well. The problem was that encouraged us, Hey, this is easy. We're doing well. And it's, it's, yeah, there's a little initial investment, but, you know, it was meeting our, actually ahead of our expectations. So I thought, okay, let's open up several more and other oh, corporate, further corporate away parts corporate of, locations. I got it. Okay. Yeah. And then we opened up other ones in several other parts of the country, some that were, uh, several hour plane ride away. And, um, and that was that those, um, we had our hands full. Let's put it that way. I mean, eventually we kind of, we 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 got to where we wanted to be, but it took longer, took more capital, more of our operational attention, and um and and that was that. So I think um, while we want to keep growing at a nice pace, sometimes uh, uh, you know, in our case, an early success kind of you know maybe uh, boosted our confidence too much. Like who's yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, um that uh, it's just it, but to your to your point earlier, sometimes you don't know um right. you don't know how prepared you are or not.
0: Right. Well, wow. it's uh anything along the scaling game is always it's always fascinating the the twists and turns because you think yeah. how complicated can this business be? And and then you get into it and you say, well, it gets complicated when you when you make this right. uh turn. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, I, I've got a theory and I've had it for years that, um, that CEOs were, we should, we should have been able to know based on who they were in junior high school. I'm, I'm curious if we, if we went back to your junior high school, seventh, eighth grade, you know, what, 12, 13 years old, what, what would we have, what would, what did we either miss or, or notice and say, oh, that guy's going to be president one day, or that guy's going to run, uh, this kind of company or whatnot. What what were the clues in seventh grade? Who were you in seventh grade that you say, oh, yeah, that's a future CEO. That's a future successful business owner uh, who can run a run a great business.
1: Yeah, yeah. Certainly, you don't. You're right. I, I wouldn't have thought this at the time, um, but it, in hindsight, looking back at it, um, I, I I was all starting and actually around junior high and going through high school and college. I was a, I was a tutor. I taught other students, um, uh, certain subjects and so forth. And looking back at that, it's the teaching element. And I went to graduate school. And uh, after college, went to graduate school and was very much kind of into learning learning and, and this,
0: teaching this wasn't this was, wasn't like a three-card monty or something like that this was a this was a, a useful subject, subject or a more useful yeah. uh, Actually, uh, actually so knowing a three-card monty
1: yeah. is actually a pretty useful skill but uh <laughs> yes uh yeah what, what yeah, we, we, yeah that's right I, I didn't mention what i taught yeah, right? yeah um, i was gonna but, say that was one of your
0: experiment you know that was one of your R and D products you just say let's see yeah, if anybody's interested in this one
1: yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, <laughs> But I think, you know, the more I've learned or the observed, the good leaders are really teachers um, and spend a lot of time teaching, enjoy teaching, and 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 hopefully are pretty good at it, really teaching their their team, uh, their employees, maybe even sometimes their customers, a variety of ways in developing them. And so I'm kind of looking back, I can see maybe the early days that this is something that, that might interest me in. Fortunately, I've been in a position uh, now where I have the ability to, to be the role heading up an organization and 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 teaching people. I mean, my kids will probably tell you that uh, you know I lecture too much. You know, I they, they know all my lectures by heart that I'm trying to teach them. So, <laughs> so, so. Yeah, they, they've heard the lectures. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But but
0: but it exists. <laughs> well, that's it's an interesting connection because it's it's you think of successful CEOs they all have a strong suit and if yours is teaching you're right it's a super useful super practical way to be a ceo because the values that go along with with teaching are maybe the antithesis of the modern day superstar ceos think of an elon musk or whatnot we go well big ego big big bravado big risk-taking what i say not big on service loves controversy like a kardashian and you think oh david's not no offense but you don't strike me as as uh, a kardashian type yeah well
1: i I think you're reading it right
0: yeah i i I, it was just a wild guess that you're probably not in the kardashian kind of kind of mode but you you think of teaching you have to be about service you have to be about patience you have to be about um clarity you have to be about repetition you have to be about all kinds of stuff but you can't be uh full of ego there's no way to do it. Well, where did you where did you grow up and where were you in junior high? Like, what part of the country uh, does that give Yeah,
1: just depth? outside of Chicago.
0: Yeah, so Midwest. So you had kind yeah. of traditional Midwest values, and uh, right. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Did you have businesses as a kid, like shoveling snow or cutting lawns or washing windows or that kind of stuff? Or, or- yeah, I
1: I wasn't that of uh, uh, the. I was um, in high school. One of my first. Summer Jobs was, I was a vendor at Wrigley Field, which was a lot of fun. And oh, that I was bet. kind of like having your own, I don't know, you called your own, you know, your own lemonade stand, but we were, sure. we were running around hustling and, kind of, you know, fairly, um, you know, really the more you hustle and kind of use your smarts as to where to go, what products to sell and so forth, uh, really helped a lot. So, so th- that was a lot of fun doing. That's funny. That's funny. One of the Hall of Fame
0: broadcasters for the San Francisco Giants, he's still broadcasting, um, John Miller. He's very popular. Podcaster yeah. because he was in national for a while but his first job was working for al davis at the oakland raiders games and mm-hmm. fall is the warmest time of the year in the bay area and he was 14 and he said the way al davis worked was you pre-purchased your rack of whatever you were selling so that he didn't have to worry about the money and if you scammed him he that that's it so he exactly. said my first my first weekend in september it was 98 degrees he got hot chocolate, so that was so he had to buy from Al Davis a, a rack of thirty hot chocolates, and it's ninety eight degrees. And he said, "I I lost almost all my money that <laughs> that was that was a first job." And I thought, "Is that is that more indicative of John Miller being a fool, or is of Al Davis being a hustler?" And I thought, "Yeah, maybe it's both." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, uh, "You know the the experienced vendors, yeah, they got they got." Yeah. coke or beer or something that was useful mm-hmm. he got a hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well he, he, he learned the hard way he learned the hard way he said i came back for week two and and uh and it was you know eventually hot chocolate was not too bad later in the fall but he, he said it was based on seniority he was a 14 year old kid so he got last choice what else should we know about scale that i didn't ask you about it's one of my favorite questions
1: yeah it's um you know, scale. I guess a growth trajectory is um, the way I look at it is is not kind of just a, a, a an upward path. Um, it, hopefully, that's the long term, but it's it zagged. It, Zigs and zags are more like stepping stones. Is um, I think is the way to look at it. So you you reach a certain point where hey, uh, now it's time to go out and buy a new. In my case, a new van, right, and get a new crew because we've got enough customers, and uh, and and for some people, the, that's, that that uh, that stepping stone is is a difficult um, difficult to manage because it requires more management skills, maybe less kind of operational hands-on skills, and more overseeing a team. Um, so well, I think that there's. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly risk, financial risk, operational risk. Absolutely. So, I, and there's a series of those and every business, you know, has their own depending on what they are, uh, the type of business they are. But, but I think that's it is, is that ho- hopefully the people running your business, you know, aren't, aren't sort of content on just sort of coasting, which I don't think is sustainable in the long term. Um, So you're focused on growth and, and, and you keep looking for the next stepping stone, um, where, uh, you know, kind of the next goal, the next milestone and, uh, achieve that. And, um, and then, and then have the infrastructure and the preparation to take advantage of it and then go for the next one. So you make natural progressions as opposed to bet the ranch. Yeah, that's right.
0: That's right. Makes sense. Makes very good sense. David, thank you for appearing today. Um, been a lot of fun and I appreciate your wisdom and insights in, uh, in scaling and and, and how your business runs. No, this is great. Thank you, John. Much appreciated. Thanks for joining us today. Are you ready to scale? If so, invest three minutes in our scalability index. It's simple, easy, and gives specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. All the best.